host of the Life After Life podcast. I want to invite you to become a patron of the podcast. For just five euro per month, you will get ad-free content, video episodes, exclusive events and discounts throughout the year as a thank you for your support. Check out the link to my Patreon page in the description box attached or go to Patreon and search for Life After Life with Sandy Bird. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And today I have with me a beautiful energy all the way from San Diego in the United States. Now, she'll be very quick to tell us she's originally from New Jersey. And the <laughs> only thing I know about New Jersey is that Bon Jovi are from New Jersey. Oh. <laughs> bon Jovi fan. <laughs> I would like to welcome Annie Del Rey to the podcast. Welcome, Annie. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, no, it's amazing. And I should tell people that you're a health and wellness coach, okay, uh, specializing in helping people to achieve a life of confidence, wellness and success. And, you know, for your, her background, she has a degree in psychology and a master's degree in inter integrative wellness coaching. I knew I was going to pronounce that wrong. <laughs> Got it. But like so much academia in your background. I mean, that's an amazing basis to help people from, you know. Um, now, I want to get into your professional side in a few minutes. But one thing mm -hmm. that um, I do know about you that really touched my heart, if you're OK to tell us about, is your brother. And mm. for those listening, Annie lost her brother in 2021. Tell us about him, Annie. What was his name? His name was Michael. Uh, Michael Daniel. And How uh, actually, we had a, a, he was 30 years old. Oh, bless him. Yeah, he was 30 years old when he passed away. And I'm 31 this May. But last year when I turned 30, it was it was very difficult. Yeah, it was very difficult. I can imagine. And, you know, I deal with uh, people every day who've, who've lost somebody, um, you know, and no two experiences are ever the same. Grief is very individual. It really is. And um, if you don't mind me saying, um, from what I, I heard you talk about your brother, you had to some extent you had lost him many years before the Michael that oh. you knew because there was addiction issues, wasn't there? Tell us. Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. My brother started experimenting with drugs at 15 years old. By 20 years old, it completely consumed him and took over his life, if not sooner. Um, and he had an accidental overdose. He, um, his drug of choice was H, or excuse me, heroin. And uh, it was laced with fentanyl. God bless him. So it was the two together that caused the overdose. And I suppose he didn't know this. I don't know much about drugs and paraphernalia. I'm just mm -hmm. kind of thinking out loud as you're speaking, you know, and how tragic 
you know, at 30 years old, because when we're 30 and when we hit 30, okay, I'm looking back at 30 now, um, you know, we think we're so grown up and we're so mature and we're so developed and we think we know what life has to hold. And we, we begin to think that our best years are behind us, but that's absolutely not the case. You know, it's not. Definitely. So can you tell us, um, you know, because it's coming up now to two years, I believe, since he passed. It's about two years. Um, what mm -hmm. was that first year like? Um, well, I essentially stopped doing my own private practice. I still worked for other companies, but I stopped taking private clients um, okay. immediately. I thought it was very inappropriate to serve someone while grieving at, at the at the capacity that you do one-on-one. -on -one. At companies, you have supervisors, you uh, get support during it. But one-on-one, -on -one it's, you know, it's just you. I don't have to tell you, you know, you're running your own yeah. show. You, you're, mm -hmm. Sometimes you can get support, but for the most part, it's, a, it's up to you. So I took a break. Oh, mm -hmm. no, I was just gonna ask you, at that time, were you working as a psychologist or as a coach, a wellness coach? I was a mental health coach mental health yeah coach. okay so yeah doing mm -hmm. so i mean i mean you should be telling you you could tell me this but you'll always grieve but i suppose you mean to be in the throes and the acceptance point of the loss you felt you didn't have enough to give to somebody yeah definitely and my clients um although i am different than a therapist and i can go over the differences if needed a lot of my clients Absolutely. did experience loss. Some of my clients did experience loving someone who suffered from addiction and it would have hit too close to home. I, I just couldn't handle it. And it's, um, again, these other clients who I had with companies, I was allowed to ask to have clients transferred if needed, if there was, let's say a trigger, but, uh, yeah, and I'll go over the difference between coaching and therapy because I think that will really help people. Oh, I definitely think that will help people. Thank you. Yes, I'd love to hear it myself. Okay. Go for it. Okay, fantastic. Uh, so, co uh, excuse me, I'll start with therapy since it's more familiar. So therapy is coping with the present. You are exploring the past. You are healing. You are processing. You are spending a lot of time talking about the past. While in coaching... We do go over coping techniques for the present. All we care about is the future. That is it. So, for example, if a client gets into like a two-minute story about their past, I will gently stop them and say, I appreciate the background. What did you learn from this? Because I don't have a time machine, neither do they. So we're focusing on the future. Um, but if someone like myself is still grieving the past, still seeing a therapist, talking about the past a lot, uh, it's hard to talk to another person about their grieving. I get it. That's so interesting. And, you know, I say the same thing and I'm not liking it too because I don't have your qualifications. But, you know, when I'm doing a psychic reading for somebody, I say to them at the beginning, I'm not going to go over your past. You know what happened. I can't change it. So we are not going Ooh. to rake over those coals. I see it every single time because I really believe I that. that we spend so long looking over our shoulders, don't we? You know, what could I have done differently? 100%. Sure, since Michael passed, and I see so many people doing this on a daily basis, 
if I'd been there, how could I have stopped him doing that first hit? You know, what could I have said to him if I had been with him that day? You know, all the ifs, whats, maybes, that's not going to help anybody. It's not going to bring him back and it's not going to help you get over it. So you have to look to the future. And two years in, do you now feel, because like I would look at your bio and I would feel, you know what? She's definitely a coach that I could work with because she knows what I'm going through. Do you feel that now you can actually help people that are going through what you've been through? Um, yes, definitely. Yeah. And for multiple things, like getting kicked out of my house at 18 for having a tattoo. <laughs> like that was one of the things. Having to work four jobs plus um, having my parents stop paying for things at about 16 years old paying for my own school, moving to California by myself, not knowing a soul. Like there's all these things, being a survivor of childhood sex abuse, all of these things have led me to the woman that I am at this exact moment in life. That's why I'm okay going to the future. Cause I'm like, who cares about the past? You can't change it. Yeah, I I absolutely love that. And, you know, a lot of my family have said to me over the years that I'm very blinkered, you know, like when you put blinkers on a horse, because I just look forwards. I don't look to the side, you know, but I've had to teach. I mean, you know, I've got some years on you and I've had to teach myself because what other people are doing, I'm happy for them. If they're happy, I'm happy, but it doesn't affect my life and it doesn't set the bar for my life, you know. So stop Mm -hmm. looking to the side, stop looking behind, you know, get with the program and look to the future. That's where we're going. (laughs) Get with the program. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. That's such an old saying. So, um, look, I know that you work in lots of different areas, the integrative wellness coaching, life and success coaching. Um, And there's a couple of things that I hear these terms bandied around a lot okay so i'm going to ask you if you can to explain to us what nlp and eft are because we do hear it we know they're there but if you asked me how would i choose one or when would i go for these things i have no idea so would you explain that to us if you don't mind sure definitely um so nlp neuro linguistic programming And just like it says in the name, neuro, brain, linguistic, speech, programming, program the mind. So um, everything that you hear and learn, especially that insane stage of infancy to seven years old, everything is downloaded into your brain, right to the unconscious mind, especially the, you know, from birth to seven. It is, there is no differentiating between true and false. Even as adults, we struggle with it. So neuro-linguistic programming is the idea of exploring what am I listening to, what am I saying, and um, challenging that limited belief. Where did I learn this? Is this even true? Is that a bit like cognitive behavior therapy? Definitely. Definitely. I get it now. Because I'm always telling people cognitive uh behavioral therapy is so great. I did it myself, you know. But I'd love to try that yes. now, the NLP. So it's not changing what you've been through, but shall we say it again? It's looking to the future and how you can change it going forward. Yes, or it's a lot about building self-awareness and mindfulness. Okay. More of uh, this empowerment of 
wow, I'm kind of my own worst enemy right now. But it's great that I noticed that because now I can be my own best friend. I get it. I love that. And what about EFT then? So EFT is emotional freedom technique, commonly known as tapping. So um, uh, I, I don't know if this is utilizing your meridian points. So uh, to change a strong emotion. So okay. NLP is kind of continuous. You know what I mean? It's like you're educating yourself. You're building mindfulness. It, it won't be, you won't be like, for the most part, shattering your limited beliefs in five minutes, right? Okay. You can. I mean, there are techniques, but EFT is, it's like immediate. Within five minutes, you can change your, your mood. You can change your cramps, your headache. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's a game changing technique. And why I really love it is, although I'm certified and, and a practitioner in it, you do not need to do that for it to work on yourself. So even after I teach someone, they could do it themselves. And it's free, right? You could do it wherever you want. I've had clients do it in the bathroom. They're freaking out at work. I have them go into the bathroom. I'm like, all right, you're going to do a session because all you need is your hands and to be able to touch the points. That's amazing. And is this, are both of these healing healings things that can be done online or do they have to be in person? Oh, they can be done online, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And especially, I, I, mm. I, I'm always thinking from Ireland, you know, I come from a small community. And with these healings and therapies and all, there used to be, uh, it's not so much now, but there would have been, I suppose, you know, people afraid if I'm seen going into a therapist's office or a counsellor's office, everybody's going to know there's something wrong with me. And, you know, online has opened this world up to so many people. I think it's amazing. This might be a hard question. Could you give us an example of why people would choose one over the other? Like who would go for NLP and who would go for EFT? Mm, great question. So EFT may be a little more woo-woo for people, right? Oh, okay. So yeah. there are some people that don't even consider in the beginning. The beautiful thing is as my clients work with me, they realize, yeah, she talks about some woo-woo stuff, but she also knows her stuff. So I'm going to trust her. They're, they're open. Some come in and they're like, EFT tapping. I love this. What? Let's let's access the unconscious mind together, right? Or yeah. uh, theta healing is another thing I do. So they're like, let's do the super conscious. Uh, and other people, I have to dip their toes in. So I'll teach NF, um, NLP and I'll do it just as I did before. Hey, it's like the, it's like the name says. Neuro is your brain. Linguistic is... Um, you know, the words you use. I, and then I give an example and I'll say something like, you know, uh, did you grow up in a house that your parents said that person's filthy rich? Well, your little brain took that in as filthy equals bad. You get in trouble when you're filthy. Mom and dad do not like you. It comes with shame. And now you're an adult. And that was, that was programmed right into you. And you didn't notice that at first. Uh, and people can wrap their head around that a lot, a lot easier then yeah. you tap the meridian points and then we say this affirmation together you know they might be like yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no i but, get it <laughs> <laughs> also the great thing about eft is for the most part you don't even really have to believe in it before you try it okay like it, it should still work yeah i get it um totally um 
I love when you say the woo woo part, and it yeah, it's 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 really funny because before um, I came online with you, we were having dinner and I was talking to my husband about um, in the UK because obviously my husband was raised in the UK with a lot of friends over there. There's a huge outbreak of shingles in the UK at the moment. Every second person seems oh. to have shingles. Yeah, and you know what? we were talking about it. <laughs> yeah, and um, they. You know, there's no cure for shingles per se, but, you know, faith healers cure shingles every day, you know, and people are becoming more into the woo now, aren't they? They're thinking, well, I want some relief from this pain, you know, this condition, and they're going to faith healers. So people are becoming more into the yeah. woo when, especially when there's no choice, you know, and of course, I don't know what it's like, right. in States, but it's gone so difficult to get a medical appointment in Europe these days. You could get weeks for a medical appointment, uh, whereas you could see a faith healer much quicker. So it's much better. So um, I'm definitely going to be trying some of those therapies, especially the EFT. Uh, the more woo woo, the better for me. I definitely would want um, to hear some of that. Um, so tell me, I know one of the things and I love this because I've suffered with, I mean, a lot of people suffer with confidence issues. I'm not, you know, on my own there. And I see that this mm. is one of the things that you, you list as helping people with. How do mm. people build confidence? Where does it come from? Um, I believe practice. If you're not like, let's say a naturally confident person, um, uh, practice. So, also, I know I said this before, but allowing yourself self-awareness. So I usually teach, um, I usually teach three techniques that can help someone almost instantly, um, which is of course what I'm all about, right? And as much as I can helping people, serving people in that way. Um, sure. And if I have time, I'll say them real quick. I would love, right? yeah, even oh, if you yeah. would go through one of them, because, you know, it's something that I need, and I'm sure loads of people listening would feel the same. Okay, great. And honestly, they are so simple. They're so simple. So um, number one is write down all of your achievements. And this doesn't mean you have to have degrees and certifications like me. This could mean that you start, you, excuse me, <laughs> you were at your local coffee shop and you looked up from your phone and you smiled at a stranger because normally you would never ever ever do that you would keep your hands down you would try to avoid contact you would whisper while ordering uh so that's an achievement right um so write all your achievements down that is almost an instant confidence builder some people some of my clients start with saying i don't have any and i said set a timer for five minutes and think and if there's nothing on the list, we'll talk about how to build achievements, but come back. And I've, I've coached, I've coached hundreds of clients. I mean, hundreds, like 500 plus. I have never had someone come back to me with zero achievements. Never. Wow. Because it's just not true that we've never accomplished anything ever. Uh, well, at, at least I haven't met someone like that. Okay. I'll just say that. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. At least I haven't. Um, and it could be getting a driver's license. It could be that you graduated high school, especially if no one in your family did. It could be that you traveled alone. Um, it could be that you afforded your own gas that week, right? Like these are achievements. What, and don't, don't look at other people's achievements. Just focus on yours. What's a, what's an achievement to you? Okay. That's number one. <laughs> number two, writing down all the compliments that you've ever received. 
Now this one, well, number one, build this immediately, but is a continuous activity. It's just like the achievement one. Uh, what I do is I keep it in my phone. I keep a running list on my notes. Uh, especially, so if you're coming to me though, anxious or depressed, a lot of people will say, I don't have any compliments. No one's ever complimented me. Yeah. Is that true? Probably not that you've never, ever received a compliment in your life, but also how am I to tell a person what they're feeling and thinking? If they don't think they've received a compliment, then that is a reality right now. So if that's the case, I tell them, reach out to a boss, family, friends, and ask them. What do you believe is one of my strengths? What do you like about me? What's your favorite story about me? You don't have to go out and say, give me a compliment, right? Yeah. But building that confidence, realizing people love me. People think I'm great. Like I thought I was this loser and my best friend just said to me, I am a great listener. She could always rely on me and she feels safe around me. Well, that's a beautiful thing, right? That's really nice to hear. And friends, family will not mind telling you something. They won't mind. Yeah. Um, and then number three <laughs> is write a letter to your future self and write this letter as if uh, the things that you want are current or present. So for example, I already wrote a book, but for my future self, I will write, I'm so proud of you for writing your second book. Um, I'm so proud of you for continuously having a healthy relationship with your sisters. I'm so proud of you for forgiving your parents, like all of these things. Um, and that builds confidence because you're like, yes, that is the woman I am going to be. Right? Do you know what you're talking about? Those, I'm thinking that's a really simple thing, but we don't do any so of it. Simple. And I've never done any of them. And we don't do it. <laughs> no, not at all. And, you know, the achievements one, so many people are like, oh, well, you know what I find with people when you say, what do you do for a living? People will always put a just before what they do. I just work in a shop. I just do admin work in an office. I just teach preschool. People always put a just there. Can we stop using the word just people and build ourselves up? There's nothing wrong with what we do. OK, we're earning a living. Yeah. So I love that. The other thing you said, mm -hmm. just keep a list of the compliments in your phone. That's a game changer for me. It's a game changer. It really is because you only remember the one bad thing that somebody says. I do anyway. Always. A hundred percent, especially with bosses. Like they may be giving you great feedback, but that one thing that they mentioned in a meeting is still making your skin crawl. Yes. A hundred percent. I love that. Oh my God. And the last one, what was the last one? <laughs> I've Letter to your future one. self. Yes. I wanted to delve into that a bit quicker. I've written down here, talk about the last one. And I didn't write down what the last one was. But <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask about this because I've always wondered, okay, I've never done it and I really want to do it. And I saw something online about it over the weekend and I was thinking, that sounds like a plan, oh. you know, but how far in advance i mean i always think i probably write a letter and never open it again <laughs> like generally do you say to people write a letter that you date for two years five years ten years like how does it work so it really depends on the goals that we're discussing so for example during covid a lot of my clients wanted to move that was the plan mm -hmm. 
but they didn't know where they didn't know uh what like all of these things there were so many things to consider so what i would have them do is write a letter to their future self for the next three months like three months out um even people who got laid off right at least in the u.s a ton of people were getting laid off by these big companies so write a letter to yourself in three months what are you doing where did you start your own business did you get a part-time job are you now working for a company you love did you move back home with a plan to save i mean there's where do you see yourself in three months what is the perfect case scenario and then once we do that we're like let's work backwards how are we going to get that to happen um someone else though you know wanting to buy a house in a year or two or wanting to start their own business or um even some of them in, do it for their relationships. So it, I would say it, de- it depends on the goal, but, um, uh, excuse me, if anything, start with a year. If you're just unfamiliar, if you're just yeah. too confused or not really sure what your main goal is, because ideally you'd be writing a bunch of things that you're proud for. Yes. Yeah, no, I get you now. I suppose when I've heard that, I've always thought, oh my gosh, like, is this a 10 year thing? Or, you know, I would get, I would get impatient after a week, I'd forget what I'd written and I'd want to open it. <laughs> you know? Yep. Oh, so and like some people three, do it on six, New nine, Year's. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Perfect. Excuse me. No, 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 please. Um, All I was going to say was, you know, three months, six months, nine months, it sounds like a great place to start, you know, write a short term letter. But of course, yeah, your New Year's resolutions maybe at New Year be a great place to go. What I normally do at New Year is write down all the things that I'm letting go, you know, so I'm not carrying in the, into the New Year with me. So we have a um, we have a tradition, and we light a little fire out the back, uh, in a barrel or whatever, and we write down the things that we're letting go that we're not carrying into New Year with us, and we burn them in the fire pit at uh, midnight on New Year's Eve. Mm. so I've had my kids do that as well and you know just find it powerful and it's just like you know a manifestation so I guess the letter writing is the same because you're saying in three months I'm going to have this in nine months I'm going to have that or whatever it is so it's bringing it into into the moment you know and it's powerful people don't you know people don't always see how powerful these things are you know totally they don't no. understand the actually and it's just like that's also like kind of woo woo for some people while other people are like that works i can yeah. do that i i am willing to put energy in uh actually what i i have a mom who has her kids write a letter every year as well on new year's they do vision boards which i love and teach uh, and then they write their children write letters and the mom holds them and then at the end like the next year she gives them back yeah, I love that. My kids have had vision boards in their bedrooms all their lives. I put up just little cardboards, <gasps> and when they were little, they used to draw out what they wanted or print it out from the internet or whatever, and pin them up there and um, just manifest them for themselves. So they've done that all their lives. I love my vision boards. Yeah, I have them up all over the house. <laughs> I have one in my office for work. I have one in my bedroom for my personal um things that i want so yeah i'm a big believer and then i have a a a vision notebook so if i'm going away somewhere i'll take my notebook with me (laughs) yeah that was awesome that's awesome Mm, yeah but i i so believe in it and i think you know i may not be like a billionaire and i may not be world famous but i'm happy 
And that's ultimately what we're looking for is happiness, isn't it? I'm happy. But the other yes. thing that I want to ask you about is um, stress management. Okay, because I am a stressor. But through doing this work, I realize I used to think that I was abnormal as a stressor, but I'm actually quite on the normal side. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Do you find that that so many people like that even over the years now you're very young, but I'm, you know, you have been working a while. Do you find that more people stress nowadays? Um, I think yes, and especially since COVID. I think since social media has become a thing, it rose. And then uh, I think COVID put people over the edge. A lot of my clients came to me during COVID and was like, listen, I was struggling before. Everything's exasperated. Every area of my life is exasperated and unable to cope. But no one planned a pandemic. No one... Um, or, you know, uh, pre-planned for the pandemic. No one wrote a book, like at the beginning, right, of how to handle COVID. No one, parents didn't know uh, that they would have to put their kids in masks or send their kids to school or make a decision, do I work here or not? Nope. All of these decisions were hit with us essentially overnight and the uncertainty of how long will this last. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. So and, that, I mean, whew. And can you share with us, um, I'm probably asking you to give away all your professional secrets, but um, no. do you, is there a, a stress management technique that you would say to somebody? Like if a family member or a friend was on the phone to you saying, I'm stressing, I'm stressing, I'm stressing. Is there a technique, mm -hmm. a simple technique that you give them to manage that? Yeah, stress? I mean, there's, there's so many that are truly simple, but if I were to give someone an immediate activity, because as you could tell, I love immediate action, right? If it's not obvious, <laughs> uh, it's, it's what I call a brain dump. And what that is, is writing down every single thing on your brain. Okay. So not a to-do list, but everything. So it could be like picking up bananas or get back to sister or... Um, fight with boss, um, significant other responsibilities, like all of these things that are in your mind, because a lot of our, a lot of people, I mean, me included, right? I'm not saying like the people of the world and not me, sure. a lot of people, myself included, uh, we think that we're thinking about a hundred things, but after we write it down, we realize there's about five things that are consuming me. And you know what, now that I wrote it down, either number one, I can release it or things will pop up such as like, I can delegate this task. I absolutely hate this thing. I could delegate this or better yet, I can release it. Meaning, um, let's say a responsibility that you took on that you now hate, or um, you, you can more easily see the solution. So if you realize for two weeks, you're writing down how much you hate your job and how abusive your boss is, you may think I can report them. I can ask to be changed positions. I can look for a new job. I can have a conversation with them. There's so many things. And also, next step, <laughs> uh, something I teach every client of all ages is make a list of what you can control and make a list of what you can't control. And usually that is another instant relief of, well, I realize I can't control 17 things 
And then I also realized I can control 17 things. This is what I can do right now. Um, for those of you watching this on video, you're going to see me. I'm smiling and I'm nodding my head like a nodding dog while Annie is talking. And the reason for that is every time she says list, I light up because people yeah. really know me. I'm a list maker. <laughs> I have millions of notebooks all over the house. And I love and I'm always telling people to write lists. And can I share with you that maybe something you can use? But I'm so indecisive, you know, and I've, mm -hmm. I border on the pessimism. OK, what could go wrong if I made this change? So I open a new page of my notebook, a double new page. Mm -hmm. On one side, I write down all the things that I could see going right from this decision. And on this side, I'll write down all the things that I can see going wrong once I make this decision. And 99.9% .9 of the times, the list of things that could go right or go well far outweighs the list of things that could go wrong. And that helps me yes. make decisions. So that's why when you're talking about list making, I light up. I love it. I'm a list maker. <laughs> yes. I love and, that. And your technique reminds me of something I have clients do as well is when they are making a decision and they're very worried and there's a lot of fear is continuously to ask them, but what's the worst that can happen? So um, what's the worst that can happen when you talk to your boss? I get fired. And what's the worst that would happen if you got fired? I couldn't pay rent. And what's the worst that could happen if you didn't pay rent? I wouldn't have a house to live with my kid. And what's the worst that would happen if you didn't have a house? Well, I would be ashamed. It, and, and it gets down. But sometimes during that time, as they're thinking, they automatically think of a solution to that problem. Yeah. Or they realize, this doesn't end with me dying. Yeah. And usually when we are spiraling, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like when we were growing up, my mother used to always say, you know, um, if you if you kind of saw somebody and you think, oh, God, he's handsome, she'd go, ask him out. And we'd be like, no. And she'd go, the worst anybody, the worst thing anybody can say to you is no. And then you walk no. away. No. You know. <laughs> I never totally. courage to ask anybody out, but you know, when I, I use that in different areas of my life, you know, that the worst anybody can say to you is no. So just ask. You'd be surprised by some of the answers right. that you will get. You know, I absolutely love that. So I know we've touched on a couple of things there, and I, I, I know that I'm, you know, maybe <laughs> asking you to give away more than you had intended to. But, you know, Annie works uh, with confidence and self-esteem, with goal setting and motivation, mindfulness, time management, stress management, you know, and anything, you know, really um, that you need to get your, um, you know, your life in balance, you know, how to accomplish that work-life balance um, and everything. Um, now, I want to get onto your book and ask you about your book in a second. But <laughs> I did see um, this question written down somewhere for you to ask. And I wanted to ask this of you, especially because um, just right now in Ireland, all the school kids are doing the state exams, you know, and there's mm. a lot of tension and pressure. And, you know, a lot of people listening might have kids, you know, that are doing these exams or grandkids or whatever. And, um, you know, what advice would you give to school kids, you know, as you'd say in the States, high schoolers, I guess, um, that are going um, through this whole period. And, you know, they're 16 and 17 years old and they're trying to decide what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. And I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life in my 40s. How could they know at that point? <laughs> what advice would you give to a high schooler? I would tell them, number one, ask for help. 
Yeah. Ask for help. Tell your parents you're struggling. Potentially tell your friends. Um, tell your teachers. Let them know. Let them know that you are struggling. Um, even sh- say nothing else changes. Even just telling someone alone takes some of that off your shoulders. Uh, I think kids feel alone, number one, even though if they looked around, probably 95% of the kids in that room are feeling the same thing. Same worries, same struggle, same overwhelm. And you have no idea what's going on at their home. Their parents can be adding to it. They could be adding to it. Um, While other parents don't even know that they have to have these conversations with their kids. Or think, oh, they're a normal amount of stress. But we all handle stress differently. We do. Um, and I love how you said the idea of, like, I'm an adult and I don't know what I'm doing. I talked to an 84-year-old woman. I had an 84-year-old client. And she said, I never knew what I was doing. I was always stressed out about it. And I always felt like I was embarrassing my mom. 84 years old. Wow. So I would love for children to understand at the at the age they are, ask for help. This uh, it's completely normal. Let's learn coping mechanisms now so that life is easier for you. Yeah, I get it. And my background is in third level education. That's you know that that's where my career was before I did this full time. And I would also say and add. Um, I hope this makes sense to you. I would also say to parents to ask for help, because if you're stressing about where yes. your son or daughter is going, try not to project that onto them, but go and get help yourself. Even if you're talking out with your spouse, your family, your friends. But, you know, because one thing that um, that I saw um, in college a lot was kids that would come through the door and they're doing the course that their parents wanted them to do you know and more most likely because the parents wanted to do that themselves and never got the opportunity you know so we can Mm -hmm. tell students to talk but we also need to tell parents to talk it is i i don't want to say i'm harsh to parents but i am so real with them and what i say to them is I know you think you're doing this because you want what's best for your kids, sports, um, extracurricular school. Um, But, and of course I want that for your children too. I want that for all children. But I will say if your kid has a nervous breakdown while in school and has to take a few semesters off and is behind in your eyes, it's going to be a lot different. It's going to be a lot worse than them potentially taking a semester off or seeing a therapist or a coach to explore more of what they may want. Allowing them, I don't know if um, in Ireland they do this, but in the United States they have a program called Liberal Studies or Liberal Arts. And it's when you take generic courses. You take the English class, you take the math class, you take the foreign language, you take the science. So um, you do this for your associates, so then you can go to a four year. But people don't want to pick that because it's not a fancy title, right? It's not attractive. We call that arts here. So an arts degree. So you pick, yeah, you pick kind of the subjects that you're interested in. But and everybody will say to you, oh, yeah, degree in arts. And what are you going to do with that? (laughs) You know, instead of saying good for you to pursue the the subjects that you're interested in, you know, Um, because, you know, not everybody's going to be a teacher. Not everybody's going to be a police 
man or woman you know not everybody's going to fall into these categories and when I was at school you know and I left school in the 90s and you know I, I went to a convent school for 13 years so if you didn't want to be a nurse or a teacher you know there was no interest in in you it was like oh well you're going to work in a factory or something <sighs> like all of these career choices that are out there they just didn't want to know and that put loads of pressure on everybody you know because yes. we thought that if if we weren't a nurse or a teacher that we weren't going to be productive members of society so there's something for everyone okay so i know i've probably dragged mm -hmm. that conversation out a little bit because it's my my passion because it's where my background lies uh. and i just see you know family relationships fall apart all of the time over this topic so thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that which brings me on to yes. the book and i haven't read it so i'm so excited to hear where the inspiration came from and i'm going to say okay actually brace yourself guys okay if you're watching a video you can see it there it's called shit i wish i knew in shit i wish i knew in high school okay so yes. tell us <laughs> where did the inspiration from this book and what information is in this book for us sure so um, as, as you mentioned, I was living in Jersey. Now I'm in California or mm -hmm. New Jersey. Now I'm living in California. And um, um, I'm one of six kids. And my sisters, who are twins and 12 years younger than me, are in Jersey. And they're the loves of my life. I mean, I work as hard as I do because of my sisters. I took chances on myself. I invested when another person would be like, that's literally crazy because I wanted to show my sisters, you could be an independent woman with freedom. You could do whatever you want. And also it's okay if it takes a lot of hard work because you'll get through the other side. So sure. when my sisters were freshmen in high school, I wrote them the book. Oh, wow. That is so cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's really I, uh, like big sister experience. Yeah, the stories are so personal. And, yeah. and that's why I tell parents to be um, to have those open communication with their kids. Because I talk about like intimate relationships. I talk about friends. I talk about boys because it's a it is a book written for girls. And my sisters both happen to be straight. So it was about like, um, I talked about boys, but yes. I talk about physical health, mental health, self-development, um, a little bit about finances, um, uh, just all these topics that um, I talk about alcohol. That's a big one that parents shy away from. Um, I curse in the book. That's something parents shy away from. But it's silly to think teens aren't doing it. It's, it's literally naive to think that teens are not doing this. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, if you did it when you were a teen, your kids are going to do it. You know, that's just it. <laughs> and the world has yes. changed. If like things that you didn't do or try in high school, you know, your kids are probably going to try that or at least be presented with the opportunity to try that. Okay. Yes. So, and we didn't uh, have social media. Yes. A hundred percent we didn't have social media. So we didn't know what other people were doing in other parts of the world. You know, uh, we just nope. cared about what was going on in our own area, our own locality. And we didn't know. I mean, you probably think I was very naive, but I really didn't know about drugs until I was in my mid to late 20s. You know, mm. it just wasn't a thing for us. 
you know so um so yeah social media has made all this thing very relatable to young people now so if you're not going to talk to them about it somebody else will so they may as well hear it from you you know yes i'm going to get that book for my son <laughs> he's 15 okay now. yeah he's three years left in school and i'm definitely going to get that book for him because uh, I love I love that it's got like real life experiences because nobody wants to hear about, you know, their mother's experience with boyfriends in school or their dad's experience with boyfriends or girlfriends in school, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You don't want to hear that because nobody wants to think of their parents in an intimate relationship. So hearing it from somebody yes. else is definitely and um, I think, amazing. Oh, excuse me. No, no, please. Um, I haven't really marketed to them, but the more I think about it, I think the book's great for single dads because they have never, ever, ever experienced high school as a gal. So they, they just don't know. They just, it's not their fault. Like, no, absolutely. They didn't have the opportunity or whatever to, uh, they might have had sisters, but it is different hearing it right from a gal. But is it, is it gender specific? Like, I mean, I would imagine from what you're saying, that the information would also help boys going through school, you know? And I would say, say mm-hmm. so I was going to say my boy, um, you know, my son, I'm thinking of in particular, obviously I don't have any daughters, but he's in a Christian brother's school. So it's all boys and, and having no sisters, he, you know, he's probably the kind that would be tongue tied if he had to talk to a girl. I don't know. I'm guessing that he might be. <laughs> but I think, it, you know, for him, it might be um, great to see something from a girl's perspective. I think so. I think, I mean, there is a section on boys that he doesn't need to read because even, <laughs> even if he were to be interested in men, the book isn't written that way. You know, it's written yeah, for yeah. straight females. But, um, I would say at least 75% of it is still applicable to young men. And if not, it or it, at least 75%. And I think it'd be really helpful for them to read it. I do, because again, if you, um, I guess now at this point, I have to say identify as a woman, but if you identify, or if you're identifying as a male, you have no idea what girls are really thinking. <laughs> you have no idea. no idea. It's not your fault either, but yeah and not seeing it from their point of view like i still talk to my boyfriend about having cramps he has no idea what it's like to sit in class with cramps or to play a sport with cramps or to cancel things or want to call out of school even though you can't because you're nauseous you're uncomfortable and and so on and so forth yeah he can be sympathetic but not um you know not he can't speak from experience or understand exactly where you're coming from you know Mm, that's such a good word yeah yeah i think they're sympathetic because you know they have to listen to us moan and it's easier to just say oh you poor thing (laughs) but really and truly they're not getting it they're not you know (laughs) um but even for for that point of view that's something that boys should understand you know and 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 they should be aware of so i think there would be no harm if i can get him to read the book i'm going to get him to read it i might read it first <laughs> but um, I'll definitely okay. need to read it afterwards. Um because there you know, is curse words, I will say. Oh, there are curse words. You know words. what? He hears them at school, he may as well read them in a book. He's gonna be faced with curse words. I chastise him at home over cursing. you know, I do, but um I'm not stupid. I know that boys it's you know, <laughs> 
there's about 700 boys in this school. There's the only females there are some of the teachers. So they curse, you know, <laughs> they do all kinds of things, I'm sure. Um, it was described mm-hmm. once to me when I used to work in third level education. I actually went and give a talk in, in the school. Obviously, he wasn't there at the time. And as when I was going in there, because I had gone to an all girls school, convent school, and um, this is an all boys school. And somebody said to me, you know, it's going to be like 700 buffalo running down the corridor. <laughs> and literally, that's what it was like. You, you can imagine 700 boys, teenage hormonal boys. <laughs> that's what exactly what it's like. So I love that. So oh. I'm going to put a link, lots of links in the description box attached to this, to your website where they can find out a lot more about you and maybe if you can send me on your social media links I will include those as well and a link to your book I'm hoping it's available on Amazon is it available on Amazon yes it is and on Kindle hopefully um, because then I'll be able to get it straight away Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah so unless you have anything else that you want to add or to let people know about you because I've learned so much already but um, if there's anything you wanted to add and tell us about yourself this is your opportunity um, I guess just a reminder to people to, if they take anything from this conversation, is to remember the idea of focusing on what you can control as opposed to what you can't control. That's a huge takeaway. It's a little sentence, but it's a huge takeaway. Because it's the, it's the, it's the, um, the, the things that we can't control that keep us awake at night. It really is. Yes. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow we need to envisage a life beyond those issues. You know, I tend to describe them now. You have the experience. I don't. But I tend to describe those issues as, you know, speed bumps. So picture each mm-hmm. of these little things. Uh, well, they're not so little, but each of these worries or situations as a speed bump. And try and get people to envisage where do you see yourself or where do you want to be at the other side of this speed bump? Because you can't move the speed bump. So picture yourself at the other side. Where is that? You know, now that's only my own little technique from experience. But I know that you would definitely have a lot more techniques that you would be able to to give to people and, you know, help people through these situations. You know, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Uh, well, it's helped me because I'm the one that won't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know definitely yeah I'm a stressor I'm just one of life stressors and that's just me I, I've tried different things I've done cognitive behavior therapy I've done a lot of stuff but I'm really so interested to try the EFT now so don't be surprised if you see me book, see me um, up on your your booking list there at some time in the near future <laughs> thank you so much for your time Annie I have learned so much and I definitely could talk to you for a lot longer and you know maybe I'll have you um, we'd love to have you back maybe in the future and um, maybe talk through some of the issues that people bring up having listened to the podcast and um, you know that we could could bring you back um, for those questions so for now I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your day and to everyone listening um, take care I'll see you in the next um, episode of Life After Life until then take care and stay safe Discussing everything about the afterlife and spirit world